0: Like, are you a fist pumper, a woo a hand clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Life is you, but you need to know how. Listen to my show, the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. Right here on KCAA, now broadcasting on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, the stations that leave no listener behind. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292 FQ Riverside,
1: and K293 CF Moreno Valley. In his book, From the Trench to the Bench, Judge Herb Dodell demystifies the legal system, including both civil and criminal, the lawyers, the judges, and the process. As a judge, former deputy district attorney, and criminal defense attorney, he knows the legal system. He has the inside information that you need to pick a lawyer, and he's here to give it to you. No matter what you're facing that makes you think you may need a lawyer, Judge Herb will shed valuable light on your situation and reveal your best options and many secrets of how the judicial system actually works. To find out more about how the legal system really works, you can get your copy of Judge Herb Dodell's eye-opening book From the Trench to the Bench at Amazon.com. KCAA Radio now joins the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Brother Mike Calhoun. crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty.
2: privilege to stand here before you this morning in light of the service that we have already participated in. You know, a lot of things touch us a lot of times, but for us who live in one of the great, or the greatest nation on the face of the earth, there's ever-peopled history that honored, started, and I hope we get back to, Brother Ron, of, of started with the basis of our relationship with God in order that we might proclaim his truth. I, I pray that we get back to that. And I'm so thankful. I don't see how you could be in this service and be an American and not be thankful to God that you were born here rather than someplace else around the world. We complain too much, I think, Jim. But we've got so much to be thankful for what God has done for us. The only part I didn't really like was the taps a while ago in 1968. While I was in the United States Marine Corps from 66 through 70, the United States of America lost in death over 12,000 men in Vietnam that year alone I was stateside and a great bit of my time as an e4 and e5 was to provide military funerals brother Ronnie carrying those coffins and being a part of those honor guards It causes us and caused me to stop and think what sacrifice someone was making even for me as they gave their last full measure of devotion. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Old Testament. As I was studying and, and reflecting on this and asking God what would I share, I began to think about Uh, what uh, uh, scripture that we could have that would be a part of this that would envision the citizen soldier and I went back to the book of Ezekiel the 33rd chapter and I want to lift six verses at the very first and then two more verses along the way and if you would honor the reading of God's word and stand with me I want to read in your presence this morning that which is written here as god is speaking to ezekiel about his commissioning and calling he begins in verse 1 of chapter 33 again the word of the lord came unto me saying son of man speak to the children of thy people and say unto them when i bring the sword upon a land if the people of that land take a man of their borders and set him for their watchman if when he seeth the sword Come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He that heareth the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword, come and blow not the trumpet, and the people have not been warned. If the sword come and take away any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. And then later in a moment I want to read a couple of more verses, but you may be seated. Thank you for giving attention to the reading of God's Word, how important it is that we turn once again in the ongoing uh, life of our nation back to the Word of God, for therein do we find those timeless truths that have not uh, changed that God guides us by. And so in order to, for me to help understand or to portray what I thought of as a citizen soldier I thought of the watchman on the wall If you'll notice in the scriptures here that uh, we as we read the text you have a picture of that watchman it says he's from among the citizenry that was is there that the leadership of that uh, wall city as part of their ongoing protection of that city and of their nation were to call out from among themselves men who they would train in the art of warfare to stand watch while others were sleeping in their own beds. And so here this man is placed on the wall. He is the first line of defense. And so it has been with our great country ever since the Minutemen uh, assembled at Concord. We have taken into our hands the protection and the ongoing life of our nation through citizen-soldiers. I think that's as it should be that we have stood in the gap and paid the price which makes our liberty all so much more sweeter and in this the watchman on the wall you see here he's a citizen soldier he has the authority of the government he has a responsibility though as he stands there on the wall he's not there just to yawn and scratch and stretch and wonder when the end of his uh, Watch is over with, but he's ever attentive to that which is out before him, for the very lives of his own family, and his loved ones as they lay in the city at night sleeping, is there, and so he's dedicated beyond uh, usual belief to the work that's there, and so he understands, he understands his commission, he understands that which he's been commanded to do, direct orders in the military we're not to be scoffed at I don't care what they show on TV anymore brother Rick uh... you didn't question things because you had a trust not only in your uh... leadership but in the purposes that america was founded for and you carried out those orders and so in this as god is speaking to ezekiel about his job as the watchman for israel israel has uh... in a in a dire straits in these scriptures and it's turned its back on god It's uh, been under Uh, has been conquered by uh, godless nations and so we find that in that loss of liberty they're beginning to take things and understand uh, things greater and so Ezekiel is understanding uh, this analogy of the citizen uh, soldier the watchman on the wall and so his responsibility is for the very lives of those of his country if someone fails, it's going to ha- he's going to have their blood on his hands. And so his job is to, first of all, sound the alarm. Now, later on, I may make a m- mention of this, but the g- reason God has left Pruitt Baptist Church here is because we, in this time, when our nation is sliding down a slippery slope away from God, we need to be sounding the alarm before it's too late. Souls are in the balance and are going to be gone for eternity and we're going to have to stand before God not just Brother Mike not just the deacons of the church but all of us will stand have to give an account of how we as part of God's army knowing the truth of the coming of the severity of God's judgment upon sinful man and we fail to sound the alarm the scripture speaks to us this morning I believe that we need to get real busy about the length of time we think we've got. Some of us have very little time. I'm getting old. I'll be 72 in May. Maybe from that aspect, we have less. Judy
0: was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) Jumba. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
1: J-j-jumba.
0: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Time. but I'm here to tell you we can't flaunt it like we've been doing in America. And uh, you can put all the uh, citizen soldiers on the wall, but we've got to get back. To a national relationship with God in obedience to his commands and i just as a side note I'd say we need to quit apologizing to a whole group of political people around here for taking a stand I'm getting old brother J.D. Graham sometimes I forget when I don't care what I say sometimes it just has to lodge where it, it lodges doesn't it if it rings your bell fine um, Christians need to be back to where we once were, making a stand, taking an active part in our politics. Not only being citizen soldiers, but being those that have a real destiny uh, in our vision for the winning of lost Americans who uh, God has called us to preach the gospel to. And so here you have this this uh, citizen soldier. Uh, you know, you can go and see that that's an honorable profession in the old testament people think well war and killing and ma, uh, you know uh but paul talked to young timothy over in the second chapter uh in verses i believe it was in two and three and he talks to him uh he said thou therefore be endure hardness as a good soldier of jesus christ then he gives one other thing about how to be a good soldier of jesus christ cliff he says in the next verse, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has called him to be a soldier. Listen, we need to get tunnel vision once again. There are a lot of things vying for our attention. And when you're a watchman on the wall, you've got to be able to close all of that out and focus on that which is before you. The enemy is out there in the darkness. He's, not, he's coming for us. You can count on that. Satan is not... Uh, withdrawing and acting like he's already been defeated because he has at the cross of Calvary with the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ you and I know that but we're engaged in a struggle now it's for the lives of others who need to hear the glorious gospel that Jesus says that Jesus has won the war but Satan's out there and we need to lay aside all these things and Paul is telling young Timothy that and he needs to and needs to hear it then in Ephesians the sixth chapter we'll not take that much more time, but there is the reference to uh, putting on the armor of God. And it talks about in uh, Ephesians 6:10 through 13, the importance of it. The only way we can stand as watchmen on the wall for the Lord Jesus Christ, if we are girded with those implements of the battle as God has prepared for us. His word, the helmet of salvation the the shoes that are shod uh, for our feet so we can come and go and then I know when I was in the military I I thought a lot of that stuff was ugly looking it was cumbersome and uh, it uh, I just thought it was added weight for a little guy like me but I found out later it all had a purpose it all was necessary people who discarded some of that in, in training Came to realize they they needed it down the road. And, you know it's kind of funny. I I had that attitude when I went in the Marine Corps. They said when we went home on our first leave out of boot camp, said don't go wearing your uniform and getting uh, all starstruck with some girl to get married. Said if if at this point in your military career, if we wanted you to have a wife, we'd issue you one. <laughs> I said I don't I don't know what they'd issue, but it would be. Uh, she'd be green and, and, and be ugly and, and, and I don't think I'd want her. But you know, we, we need to have every bit of God's armor on us. We need to know the Word. We need to be deep in prayer. You can't call upon God like an errant child all the time and ex- God, expect God to listen when you don't listen to Him the rest of the time. When you're not living according to His Word. And one of the things that I prepared me more than any physical thing that I could do. And my daddy was a disciplinarian. He wanted it done his way all the time. And I found out how useful it is because in the military, near wasn't close enough. Horseshoes and hand grenades maybe you could get close. But in the military, you carry it out to the letter of the law. Listen, my friend, we cannot play light with God's word. We need to get back to living by this book, by the letter of Not of the law, but of the grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not, uh, his yoke is not heavy. You find that that's the responsibility to us. Sound the alarm, and then after you sound the alarm, it may have been on that wall that you engaged the enemy as a holding until others came to relieve us. Listen, it doesn't matter how much success we have. The success is according to what God can do through His uh, Holy Spirit. We are to be found faithful where we stand. We are not required to produce that within our own flesh. You can't do it. Pruitt Baptist Church needs to get more faithful about sounding the alarm about witnessing to those in our community. And so you have that picture of that, pers- of that uh, one. I want to tell you something. That responsibility of the watchman is found in verse 3 and in verse 6. If he fails, the blood's on his hands. But what's the in- a responsibility of the individual this morning? If he sounded the alarm... They could either turn over and go back to sleep. Thinking, oh, it's not, it's not that big a deal, it's not serious. I really don't have to get up and respond to that or he can respond. The one who doesn't respond, he loses his own life and his blood is on his own hands. But there are going to be in total numbers if we sound the alarm and we talk of the love and the grace and the provision of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ resurrected sitting at the right hand of god the father then there will be countless number of souls that will hear and respond and go into the glory that is to be our our heavenly fathers and the joy we have as we assemble around the throne in those days ahead and so the responsibility there are people in this under the sound of my voice this morning that pastor that may have been dealing with the fact that they need to respond to what they've been hearing you preach all these uh, years throughout our community and are now in our church. Maybe there's someone here who's not responded as they ought as the Holy Spirit is drawing them to know that they need to confess their culpability, their sins of their life, and give their life to Christ and accept Him as Lord and Savior. The call in this moment is for you to do that in this service as we begin to close down we have uh... given a certain amount of honor and thanksgiving to those who have made a sacrifice but it's time for you if you're here under the sound of my voice to make that decision to respond the word of god says that if you don't respond you have no assurance of how long you'll live or whether you'll have that opportunity ever again and you need to do that right now this day You need to come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You don't need to put it off. The citizens were to respond by taking thought, and the taking thought and getting up and being part of the resistance was to join uh, there on the walls, and you can join on the walls as you accept Christ as Savior. There's always room at the foot of the cross. He's calling today those who... uh, had done that uh, uh, would have life not eternal life in that sense but remember how God is speaking to Ezekiel and he's calling us as a church to be the watchman we ought to be in Van Zandt County to the city of Van spread across this whole uh, area we've got people that are now driving in from of areas and not right in the van uh, I live in Smith County And so we need to become more soul winners. Listen, folks, I want to tell you something. You say, I can't speak to somebody. That's to deny Christ in you, the ability to speak through you. God gives you divine appointments. You can call Brother Mike all you want for him to witness for you. But he doesn't have the relationship you have as you work with people, you go to school as you are neighbors as you're your own family listen folks we're all going to give an account for how we shared the gospel one day it's not just preachers they're gonna god's gonna get on them heavy-handed but let me encourage you today you can be that watchman on the wall and sound the alarm satan is in the darkness he has a sword in his hand and what's at stake is not the physical lives alone but the the eternal soul of men and women boys and girls around our community and through our nation and i trust this morning as our pastor comes and stands here in the pulpit if you as a citizen have yet to make a decision along that line you'll make it today there's an altar here maybe you need to just come down and kneel and pray And ask God, how can I serve? I've never ventured in this area. I've not considered myself a leader. But God wants every one of us. He wants all of our efforts. He has a place for you to serve. This is your time. The watchman has called out the warning. Now you need to respond. As God was expecting his equal to do in Scripture, you need to respond right now. This is your time.
1: You're listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Brother Mike Calhoun. Amen? 1
3: Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're going to be this evening. If you want to turn over there. Look at this verse of scripture with me tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He said, Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games, exercise is self-control in all things. Then they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim, I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word and the power of your word. We thank you for the service we had this morning, dear Lord. And Father, I pray that tonight you help me to look at your passage this evening, dear Lord, and to interpret correctly and to preach correctly in a way that will be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all God's people said, "Amen." Amen. So, training or aiming, having a goal—you know—is something that we ought to be as Christians. Did you know that the largest training, the largest training organization in the world, secular training organization in the world? You know what it is? Said in class one time when they talked about it, we guessed Boeing, IB, you know, you're just guessing. It's the U.S. military. The U.S. military trains more people than any other Red Chinese, Communist Bloc nations. They are, they are trainers. They take people, they give them trades, they put them in blocks, and they can do anything. They can do absolutely uh, anything in building a city that, that's needful for a city. I worked for Halliburton for a year. In that year's time, I, I got over 150 oil field certifications and I found out in my time there that they are, they, tr- they have a reputation for training the oil field. Good, good or bad, I called it liability training, they just wanted to make sure they weren't sued. But you know, um, they trained people and I mean, what I found out is I didn't wanna be out there. Everything out there will kill you, so. But it was good training, it, was, it really was. America trains people. We train people in technology. We train people more than any other nation. We are a nation of teachers. But guess who the longest-standing training organization, and now I say organization. I'm speaking of secular organizations, but the church, the longest-standing training organization could well be argued as the New Testament church. If you don't look at it from a cultural point of view, cosmologically, if you don't look at it as a cultural point of view, but if you look at it just as a practical point of view, people who train other people to do things, to behave a certain way, to have certain goals. The New Testament church has a 2,000 year old uh, record under its belt. If you were to say, if you take in the Old Testament, it's even longer than that, it's the history of man. God's been training people what they ought to be doing and giving them goals, giving them directions, giving them intentionality, just through the teaching of scripture. And that's not because of men, or and that's not necessarily because of men or women, but of the God who's in men and women. It is the Holy Spirit of God working. Uh, and you, it can be, well be argued. We could argue, are we doing a good job or not? But hey, 2,000 years later, I think the Lord's doing something right. Amen? And so we know that this process is going to be going on when the Lord returns. So with that in mind, we look at a passage of Scripture— and and probably ought to preface it just by reminding everybody
0: in verses 21 and 22, he said, To those who are without the law, as with the law... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry?
2: Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Though not being without the law, but of God under to the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. And then verse 22, 9 and 22. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. I love that verse. I become, I'm, I'm willing to do anything. And then verse 23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. You might remember that this previous section of, of Scripture in Corinthians had to do with your liberty and eating meats and the shambles. And so he's been telling them, you're taking advantage of your brother because you say, it doesn't bother you, but when you eat meat in front of your brother and you wound his conscience, this is a bad thing. You're not, doing, you're not doing the gospel. You're not doing your brother any good. And so all of that's a preface. We look at it like a string of pearls. All of that's a preface to what we see in verse 24. And now he talks about competing, and now he's talking about the goal. So we're jumping from verse 22, 23, about being weak, if I need to be weak, I need to throw off, if I need to throw off my rights, um, if I need to become and do all things for all men that they might, and then you get to verse 24, and he says, now he's talking about intentionality, and being intentional, so do you not know that those who run a race, I mean, what does that have to do, what is that, what's he talking about, well, you got to connect it to that previous idea, he's given them a very big challenge in the earlier part of this chapter, where he said, yeah, you, you're being a Christian, and you say, well, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm free to, to, to do whatever I want to do. He says, whoa, 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 not so. All things may be lawful for you, but all things are not profitable. You can't just do whatever you want to do because you, you've been bought and sold to somebody else. So verse 24 says, do you not know that those who run a race, he reminds the Corinthians, that you are running in a race, and all run, but only one receives the prize. So run in such a way that you may win. And so the very first point here when we look at the Corinthians is he's talking to those who are running a race. He's talking about obviously the Christian race. He's talking about the theme and the aspect of endurance. Now the the idea of the games and the idea of competitions were very, very well known. So Paul was not opposed to using contemporary illustrations to make his point. And he's using this widely known, this widely known illustration of the the competition to run and to box, and he says, everybody's running, but you know only one wins the race. Now you could misinterpret this, and you'd be wrong in doing so. And says, well, is only one going to be saved? No, that's not what he's, he's talking about. He's saying that in the games people run and they win a prize. Only one wins that. But you, as Christians, who guess who we're running against? We're running against ourselves. We're competing in our. We're competing. We're competing against the flesh. And you may have a right to do something. You may have a you may have the liberty to do something, but you're going to have to discipline yourself. So the very first point is talking about the Christian race. This one issue, this one issue of freedom, we is specifically what he's talking about. But in a broader sense, in a broader sense, I think Paul is trying to encourage them uh, about the fact of the Christian experience, the Christian life, and being intentional about it. Now this is such a an important and timely message right now because you've heard me lament the fact that I think that most Christians are, are they really kind of don't know where they're running. They really don't know how they're, they're beating the air. You know, they, they fight. I mean, we, we kind of, I'm still impressed with what the Lord's done. I'm still impressed with the church that 2,000 years we're still here. We're still here, that the church is still here. But that's not, we can't pat ourselves on the back. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's God's working in our, that's God's working in our lives. But to Paul's point, being intentional about where do you want to end. This is, our, this is our great challenge as a church. As we continue to see people come and visit, we see the church to grow, is to so live and so teach and so disciple in our church that people know, what do you want this to end when this all ends? Where, where do you want to be when this all ends? And it's hard to get young people to understand that. Uh, in marriage counseling, I think I've, I've used this illustration to you guys many times, but, you know, I try to get young married couples to see you know, the first kiss, remember that, and the last kiss? To think about the totality of what. where do you want to end. And so it ought to be in the Christian life. It's not something that we kind of dabble in. Some people dabble in, in mechanics, auto mechanics. Some people dabble in fly fishing. Some people dabble in calligraphy. You don't dabble in the Christian, in the Christian faith. We pick up our cross and we die daily and it becomes a focal point for our life. And, and so that's why it's so important. Don't run as someone who does, isn't intending on winning. Uh, being intentional and landing where it is that you want to land. He's talking to those who run a race. And he encourages them in the training of that race. He said, who run in a race, all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way... That you may win, and so we revisit that word for just a moment. That intentionality. They all knew the the Corinthians knew that the Romans and the Greeks trained for these events. Uh, one of the very interesting facts you might not know about Roman Roman life for the gladiator was that they have found weight sets. They're great big old stones with a holes bored in them, and they would pick these stones up and they would lift these they these weights. You think, oh my goodness, they were. They were pretty high-tech. It was high-tech for them in that day. But they trained, and they were intentional because, especially a Roman gladiator, because he was going to have to go fight, and his life depended on it. There's some things, I know some history about that, about boxing in the air. I really want to tell you, but it's too gruesome to tell you. I can't tell you from the pulpit some of the things they used to do to each other. And how were they able to do that? Through their training. They were killers. They knew what they were doing. They They knew how to do it. And so he talks about this, this illustration, and it, it shows the intentionality, it shows the ancient training, and, and I think that what he's saying in the life of the church, and in the life, uh, in the life of the church, and the life of the Christian, uh, that we ought to have that same kind of intentional goals. What are, we, what are we producing? Now, I had a young lady in the office a few weeks ago, and I was talking to her about the last past year and i said hey what do you what do you think about Pruitt? what do you how do you think we're doing what do you think she's i said i think we're doing pretty good and i said well just tell me what do you think are some of our goals are she says well i think to see people say this and that was first thing she said she said i think to get people involved i think to minister to families i said you're exactly right she got it she caught she she knew uh, what we were doing, she knew, She knows what the intentions of the church are—to to train people to, to live a life in such a way. Now, is it a program or is it a book, guys? Those are tools. Experiencing God is one of my favorite tools, but it's just a tool. I've seen pastors get stuck on experiencing God. I've seen them get—they teach it for seven, eight, nineteen years in a row, and wonder why they have three or four people who sign up for experience. 'Cause they it's been taught hundred but guess what? This never goes out of style. You know, Miss Kendra's using several different books. She's taking people through several different books, parenting books and stuff, whatever. But when those when some of those things begin to wane or whatever, she'll take them to the Bible. She'll take them to the scripture, you know, she'll come back and forth. It's just a tool. But you can be intentional, that's that's, a church can be intentional in what it is we're trying to do, where we're trying to move people. He's talking to those who are trying to run, and he says, as you run, make sure that you're training, make sure that you have an intentional goal, an intentional place that you're trying to land in mind. And so we all need that in our lives. We need those moments of intense training. Now, before I go into this next point, do you, can you remember in your life moments where seasons where God... Brought you through just revelation through God's word. I mean, He just poured into you. I mean, I don't think you can. I don't think it's possible to live there. But I can look in my own life and see different seasons where I was in school, or I was. uh, We went through a study, and sometimes it was just the Spirit. And man, I just, I just absorbed it. Just the, the Lord just spoke to me, and I learned and I grew in knowledge about God's word, or how to witness, or how to minister to others, how to counsel families, and it was marvelous. Listen, those are the, that's, what we, that's the kind of attitude, that's the kind of goal you ought to have in your life as a Christian for those seasons of God's pouring of himself into you so that you know about his word and what it means. Uh, it talks about those who run or those who train and those are going to have a reward and it's a crown. Look what it says in verse 20, 25. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Then they do it to receive a perishable wreath but we, an imperishable, Stephanon, and so when an athletic competitor at that t- particular time would run and compete in a race or in a, uh, in a boxing and sometimes in even gladiatorial co- competitions, they would bring them a, a garland. And it would, it's a very frail thing. It's very beautiful, but it was a very frail thing. It would be wrapped around their head, and it was a temporary crown. And so when Paul uses that phrase, he says it's a, Per- they do it, they're running, the world is running to receive a crown, but it's a perishable crown. Ours is imperishable. Guys, that's, that's our challenge right now. The world at large, the world at large around us, most of what they're looking for, most of what they're looking for is not going to last. And I can't tell you how it encourages me on Sunday morning when I make that distinction, and I make it a lot, that a lot of the stuff you hear, you hear me say to the young families on Sunday morning, That stuff, that when you come back to that stuff, it's not going to be there for you. When you come to rely on that stuff, it's not going to be, it's not going to do what you think it's going to do. You better invest your life in what really matters. And that's the cross of Jesus Christ. That's your Christian faith. That's the church. Man, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Somebody wrote a song once. Amen. I wouldn't take nothing for it. I mean, it's the best, it is the best life. Does that mean your children are perfect, your marriages are perfect? No, but it is the very best. They do it to receive a, a perishable, a partheton crown, corruptible, that which can be destroyed. But we do it to receive an incorruptible crown. In 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 8, Paul was writing and he said, He said, I have fought a good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. But in the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but to those who love his appearing. In that passage, you can tell that as Paul has tried to be intentional with his life and where he was going to invest, he said, and he was in, as he's writing these letters to, to Timothy, probably from a prison jail, very, very likely from a prison jail, He's saying, it was worth it, and I know where I'm going, but it's okay because when I get to where I'm going, there's there's a reward waiting there for me. There's a reason that I'm living this way. There is a a crown for me that the righteous judge himself is going to give me. And that acted as a motivation for him in his life. In 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, Peter wrote... uh, Let's see, when he's talking, let me just, I got to read these other verses to make that four really ring out. But it says, Therefore I'd exert the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Verse two, Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, nor for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Ensembles is really what that is. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Peter captures that same sentiment that Paul is talking about to the Corinthians, of something that we can look forward to as Christians. Guys, listen. Part of the challenge that we have right now is Esau's challenge. Listen, a lot of people want to live the good life right now. They want to sow those wild oats. Some of them are sowing wild oats. They're not out doing anything crazy. It's just that God's not that important to them. And please pray for me because you know what? I know that I'm running out of time. I know that at my age that I'm running out of time. And you know what? I, I don't want to have to beg anybody to accept Christ. I don't think you ought to have to beg somebody to accept Christ. I think the Spirit of God moves in somebody's life. He moves in their heart. And, 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 and by heavens, by my Lord, they just they ought to come to him if the Spirit's calling them to do that. So I want, I want to work with people, and I want to preach to people and work alongside folks who love Jesus. And if people are just hanging out, I mean, I, I had a guy tell me, he said, he said, said uh, he thought he'd say, well, we might look for it. I said, look, I'll pray for you. And I you may hear me say that in the hallway sometime. I might tell a, 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 a family, say, they, of, I said, well, you look, look, I'll pray for you because if you're not supposed to be here, I want you to be where you're supposed to be and to do something. It, just promise me that wherever you go, you do something there. Do something. And if you stay here, do something. <laughs> Amen? Okay. If you stay here, do something. Because you're going to receive a reward for this that you're doing one day. Well, I don't want any reward. I just want my little corner of heaven in a cabin, not me. That's, that, the New Testament doesn't say anything about that. It says that we should be desirous of rewards. I don't know what those rewards are, but the scriptures tell me to pursue those kinds of rewards, that I want to see Jesus. I don't want Jesus to be disappointed in me. I don't want him to be. I want to be covered by his blood, and I want there to be other souls around me. And, and I had in some way, some fashion, some form, have either preached to, encouraged, or loved to the cross, and they're there in heaven because of my, somehow because of my ministry. He talks to those who are running, that they need to be training, that they're going to be receiving a crown that is not imperishable. This is our goal to accomplish. And he goes on, he says, verse 26, Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air now they love this illustration right here because just in antiquity just as now people loved boxers and if i had you raise your hands i bet there's guys in the room you like to watch box i mean i had in the 70s and 80s i had different boxers i love boxing that mma stuff they do i don't get it now but i mean it's pretty it's but they're heroes they're modern day heroes today in the 21st century well they were then too and so when he talks about i don't beat the air man they were boxers Two thousand years ago, in Rome and in Greece, and they, they hit one another, and they would wound their hands, bind their hands with leather. I'm telling you what, that's a pretty powerful thing. You wind a man's hand with leather, and they beat. And the historians tell about different things that they you just wouldn't believe. They were they were something else. And he says in verse 26, "So when I run in such a way as not without aim, I box in such a way as not just beating the air." Brother Mike, tell me how to tell me some thinking about, about that boxing. About you're talking about intentionality. Be here. Be here. One of the ways you can hit what it is you're looking for. Be here. You know, I had a sister just spoke to me here just very recently about how burdened about our our services. Pray for pray for our younger families. Now listen, and I don't want to give a pass, but I know Sunday evenings is a night when a lot of families reset and they try to get ready for the week and everything. But Brendan, I did it. We did it. We we, we drugged them. To, we beat them to church. Sometimes we had to beat our kids to church. You know, it just wake everybody up, get everybody cleaned off, and you have to get them to church. I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't go back. I would never say that that was a a fruitless venture. Be here. Be involved. Don't just be here, but find places where you can be involved in the life of the church. Uh, helping someone, helping in your Sunday school class, helping in the worship service. Be here. Be involved and then be real. You know what I love about prayer? Y'all are just folks. And most of the people I meet and shake hands and hug with, that hug they just, they're just folks. Don't be anybody you're not. Just be yourself. Be authentic. That will attract people. When you are kind to people and you're just being yourself, you're not trying to impress them, You just, just be yourself, that'll attract people to the gospel. Be present, be involved, and then be yourself. And be reminded that, friends, that boxers were involved in a conflict. And sometimes the, the buildings that we're in and the, the, the controlled temperature, it, and the, the, the great attitude that we have or when we do fellowships together or like our Wednesday night that we had and, and the, there's the, kid, the children, we can forget. There's a conflict going on. And I won't get too far. If I could stay here on this point for a long time, but listen, if you could have seen what was going on spiritually that Wednesday night whenever we had the little rides and stuff in here and you could see how some of these families are being attacked by it. Spirits and demons and people that and, and things that want to destroy their lives, you'd be shocked because I'm telling you, it's happening. There's a spiritual world, it's happening right here in Van, Texas, it happens in our high schools, it happens in our city. There's a spiritual battle going on, and so when he says to beat and to fight, he, he's not saying make sure you know it is what it, it is you're swinging at, which what, that we're involved in a conflict, that it's that it's violent, that it's life or death. And so, when you are encouraging people and you're trying to grow your ministry, whether it's in Sunday school or, uh, or Kendra or Brother Ron, when you're trying to grow your ministry, that we're being intentional because it's a life and death situation. Try to hit what it is that you are what you're aiming for. Let's read on what it says in verse 27. But I discipline my body. Let me read 26 and 27. It sounds better together. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without him. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and I make it a slave so that, I, that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. This is the great conquest. Brother Mike, what's our great challenge? You know, my, my, my conflict is not with Lance. Me and Lance, we get to go to church. The Lord lets Lance and I go to church for years and years, and something happens between us, or we fuss at each other, We're hurt I hurt his feelings, or hurt hurts mine. It's really not with Lance. It's it's my my warfare is not against flesh and blood. But it's a, it's against strongholds, it's against spiritual things. Somebody needs to the, the Bible tells you how to get that right, and I and I need to go to him or him to me, it doesn't matter really who did what, but you need to get that thing under the blood of Christ. And if you have somebody that you have you're having trouble with in the church, get it under the blood and get it under there quick and forgive one another and keep moving forward. And be ready because you'll need to do that again soon. You'll need to forgive one another. You'll need to love one another soon. And so the great conquest is of the flesh. And so he says in verse 27, Paul knew that his enemy, his number one enemy, was himself. I discipline my body, and I make it my slave. There are a couple of theories about what Paul was talking about here. Theory number one one could have been the collateral damage of Paul's ministry. So like when Paul went to a certain city and he preached and they almost killed him, maybe he was talking about that. I don't think that's... I think you have to really try real hard to read that into there, but that's one theory, that that's the kind of suffering that he's talking about. Um, theory, theory number two is that maybe in the whole person of Paul, what's he talking about? I, I buffet my body. I like the King James, really. That's why I memorized it. But I buffet my body and I keep it under subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others I should become a castaway. That's what it says in the King James. I love that verse. But listen, something maybe he was talking on a deeper mental emotional or spiritual level? Maybe that's what he's talking about? It's possible, but I don't think so. Mike's just giving you his opinion now, what I'm telling you right now. What I kind of think what he was talking about, theory number three is that Paul, in some way, and I can't explain it, but he buffeted his body. He may have taken reeds, or he may have taken, he may have had some type of leather whip or something, and he beat his body, and he did that to symbolically, as an aesthetic lifestyle, to keep his flesh in control. I don't recommend, I've never recommended anyone to do that. I have never done that. But I it could possibly be, and I think that's probably what Paul was doing. Brother Mike, why would he do such a thing? Because he knew that it was in the flesh. That's where we lose it. And when we're jealous of someone. Let's just pick that one. Have you ever been jealous of someone and you just you just can't get you doesn't seem like you can get over it. I mean you somebody does something, they they, they sing a certain way or they look a certain way or their personality is a certain way, and so we just get jealous, of them. We can't, and we don't know what to do about it. Well, first of all, you may need to take some time. Just take your time. Admit it to yourself. If you can admit it to yourself, it's going to get better from that point forward because you bring it to Jesus and then pray the best advice I've ever heard. If you have somebody you're very angry at or you're jealous of, uh, if you've been, who's been hurt, who's hurt you, begin to pray for. It may not happen that first night. But that second or third night, you praying for that person who hurt who's hurt you, your heart will begin to soften. It's going to take some more time, but you just keep praying for that person and then your heart's going to begin to turn. And then you're going to eventually you're going to apologize to the Lord and say, Lord, I should have never I should never I know that I'm the fault. You're finally going to be able to get that right. And eventually you're going to be right with the Lord. You may need to go to, I don't necessarily think you have to tell that person uh, unless you, they outwardly know it. A lot of our sins like that are secret. We're jealous or we're hurting somebody and nobody knows it. They don't, they don't know it. You're the only one suffering because of that. Paul knew that his greatest conquest was his own flesh. And so he said he beat his body. It means to strike below the eye. It's actually a unique phrase. It means a black eye. He said he, he, he buffeted him himself. And he made it his slave. And you know the word doulos is slave. This is dulagado. And it means to bring it under subjection. It means to enslave someone. It's not the state of being a slave. It means to enslave someone. And most Christians struggle in this area of their life because what they won't do is you won't enslave that part of you that knows, you knows, that you know needs to be in control. I I know what some of my, I I know what mine are. And when they get out of the box, I know it's just because I want to let it out. I I know that I have victory over that. I don't have to do that. I do not have to do that, but I go ahead and I do it anyway. And I have to repent, ask the Lord to forgive me for that. Dulagago. I love that phrase. To bring unto subjection. To enslave that part of you that... Is against Christ, against the cross, against the gospel. And here's what Paul's big motivation was. He says, So that after I have preached, and it's not the word Caruso, but it's Caroxax, almost sounds like Caruso. When I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now, two things. You won't be interested in this, but I am very interested in it. The phrase that's used for preach here. Is not the what we use? See Paul use in other passages for Caruso to proclaim, but a Caraxus is a heralder in the games. So in the games, when they would say, "And now Olympius Antonius is going to fight so and so," he was called the Caraxus. He would herald, and he uses that catchphrase, that same catchphrase in antiquity, and he's telling. Them, this, this, this false game out here you're watching, these Olympic games or these Roman games that you're watching when the, he heralds that, that's not what we're heralding. We're heralding the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now the Lord Jesus Christ, who has vanquished all of his enemies, and now sits at the, and, and now is at heaven at the right hand of the Father, and is waiting for his redeemed to, to be redeemed from the earth. That's what our message is, not some game, and all those people are dead. Those games aren't going, those games, oh, ancient Roman games aren't going on, other than their a modern version. No, our message, our, our message, and the substance of our mission is so much more important, so much more eternal. And he said, "When I preach to others, I have to keep my body under subjection. Lest, by when I preach to others, and the word that's used there is failed the test. It means for it to, means for you to have missed the mark." Now, brother Mike, is he talking about being lost? No. But it's almost as equally important. He's not talking about lest what I will be disqualified. He's just talking about what your life has been has been as a Christian. You can still be a Christian and make heaven and fail. And what it was that God wanted you to do. You can do that. And I know there's some Christians that they just want, they just want to barely make it by the skin of their teeth, smelling like smoke and say, whew, I made it. Is that the Christian life we really want? I'd rather see that person lost and saved and have an impactful conversion experience and do something for God as to be a mediocre christian you remember what alexander the, the great said there was a guy who had turned tail and run and he's he he was about to be executed and alexander he was they had a, all the armies were there and his generals were there and he the man was coming up, and they were about to put him to death and he said on one of the rare occasions alexander forgave he said i forgive you no death lie and the young man started turn and walk away and he goes wait a minute What's your name? His head fell, and he turned around and said, Alexander. And Alexander the Great walked down from his throne, and he he walked all the way down to the soldier, and he grabbed him, pulled him close, and he said, Change your ways, or change your name. Our Savior never do that to to me, but I feel like sometimes he might think about it. Mike Calhoun, change your ways or change who it is that you say that you're following. Christians, as parents, as friends, why are we doing what we're doing? We're doing it for him. And that's the intentionality of a Christian life. That's the the intentionality of a Christian life well lived. Aim what it is that you're shooting for. It's all going to be over in a little bit. It really is. It's going to go by. Amen? And then we'll all be together. So use your time wisely while you have it. Amen?
1: You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas. A podcast of this service is available on demand at the KCAA website at www.kcaaradio.com. The Pruitt Baptist Church is located at 9908 State Highway 110 in Van, Texas. The Sunday worship schedule includes Bible study at 9:45 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and evening worship at 6 p.m. For more information about the Pruitt Baptist Church, visit their website at www.pruittbaptistchurch.com or call.